Waking up from a nightmare with a racing heart. Unable to fall asleep after a nightmare. Struggling to break free from the loop of trauma and nightmares. I've been through all of this and I'm sure you have as well. Can nightmares have a purpose? If you are struggling with them, I can hear your inner voice wondering about what better purpose they might serve. Stay with me through this entire conversation to get the answers. This conversation took me from a space of thinking that my nightmares were terrible into the realm of how my nightmares might have supported my trauma healing journey. I know that by the end of this dialogue, you too will be happy that you took the time to listen. In today's podcast, we will answer three questions. The first is, can nightmares have a purpose in helping us? If we are shaken awake by a nightmare, what must we do to rest? What is a beautiful method of visualization that can help us work through trauma and nightmares? I could not think of anyone better than Dr. Leslie Ellis. She is a clinical psychologist whose dissertation on using focused-oriented therapy to treat PTSD for refugees with recurrent nightmares won her the Ernest Hartman Award from the International Association for the Study of Dreams. She is the author of A Clinician's Guide to Dream Therapy and she is a Vice President of the International Association for the Study of Dreams. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Light Functional Medicine Practitioner, Author and Yogini and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer Podcast, the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Pleasure to have you speaking with us today, Dr. Ellis. And I think this is something we've never discussed before on the show when we're talking about PTSD, nightmares and sleep. And um, particularly my interest would lie where that intersection of trauma uh, interplays with future nightmares and how people get stuck into that vicious cycle of not being able to move past that. Um First of all, when I heard that you are in clinical practice, that itself had me pleasantly surprised because I think one would imagine that this is a space which really needs a lot more people because there's so many people 
where the nightmares or even their dreams could be the root of understanding so much about their personality, about how to support them in recovery, physiologically, psychologically. There's so much over there. So I just want to take a moment to appreciate you for your work because it's so important in the world that we live in today. Uh, what actually prompted this path? What brought you into the fascination of the dream space and uh, what triggered your interest in actually making this a profession in terms of clinical practice? Um, well, I, I first, my first career was a, a journalist. And so I was already very much interested in talking to people and getting, getting their stories. And I've always been extremely curious and then um, I think about 10 years into that, and it was, it was a really good career. I really, um, you know, I really enjoyed it, but I found myself um, getting into more depth and wanting to get into more depth than really the journalistic approach would allow. And so I went and studied uh, counseling first in my master's and then in my doctorate. And the program I chose for my master's was at Pacifica Graduate Institute. So it's a, it's a Jungian-oriented program where we learned how to work with dreams and to really appreciate depth. And I think one of the first times I witnessed somebody working with a dream in that program, I was just so in awe of the process. And then we did a lot of our own dream work. And uh, so... As part of my clinical training, I, I, I didn't realize it's not typical uh, so much these days to, to learn about how to work with dreams and this whole imaginal realm. So I you know, really started um, by being trained that way and being so moved by my own dream work, by, by dream work with clients, by work that I'd witnessed in my program. And so I couldn't imagine practicing in a way without dream work. And I only have discovered when I got out into, I guess more of the mainstream clinical practice and working in clinics and working in my, my own practice that it's not really so much taught anymore that it's really more of a fringe element or people that are focusing on Jungian psychology or analytical psychology might, oh, they will learn about dreams but the vast majority of clinicians don't. And so, mostly my mission these days is to teach them how to work with dreams if they didn't get that training. So I've been a, a clinician for 20 years and I've really just had my most um, amazing sessions and biggest sort of um, breakthroughs with dreams, with, with dream work. And so I want to share that um, because I really, I think, you know, to pick up on what you were saying, that dreams are really, um, an important window into what's going on at a deeper level for us. And if we can tap into that and understand it, we can learn things about ourselves at a, at a much deeper level and more quickly. And our dreams, I think they're trying to do this for us, even, even our nightmares. I know that nightmares are not always the most pleasant dreams, but they're really, they have important things to teach us and to help us um, move through. On that note, Leslie, do you feel that um, this is an area that could be potentially concerning if someone, you know, there's a lot of um, uh, 
how do I put it in the dream world? You hear a lot and then people talk about looking up interpretations and these are not perhaps always the right approach for someone who's using dreams and nightmares as a tool uh, to support their uh, emotional healing and do you feel that there is um, regulation in this field or is that is it too new to be looking at that so hmm, there's a lot of questions in that um dream work has actually been with the, pro the practice of psychotherapy since its inception freud and jung were you know kind of the you know first people to really um invent a kind of psychotherapy practice that all that was very much um, centered on dreams. And so DreamWork used to have a much more central place than it does now. Uh, but there is also this, um, there's a way that, you know, people who work in clinical practice, um, some of us have learned how to work with dreams in, in, our, in our university setting and clinical settings and had a lot of training that way. And there's also a whole faction of people who work with dreams out of interest and, and, and passion. And, you know, that, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but sometimes I think just, you know, any powerful tool in the wrong hands can be dangerous. And that dreams have, they, they need to be taken seriously sometimes. And so just looking up, in a book, what your dream means and taking that seriously, I don't really, I don't really advise. I actually am not a fan of dream dictionaries or, you know, yes. um, kind of just standard answers. If you dream about a horse, it means this. If you dream about a dog, it means this. It's not really true. It, you know, there are some universal themes, of course, that come up in everybody's life and they'll be reflected in dreams. But everybody's dream world is as unique as their own inner world. And so for us to um, say that we could interpret their dream and tell them what it means without actually getting to know uh, their own interior world and what those images are, are meaning specifically to them is, is really, I think, misguided. I, I feel like, um, so you could look at a, a, a book of dream symbols and you could go through and say, Oh, which ones resonate, maybe there's something that catches you, you know, that gets your attention and or, or you get a visceral response to, then you would say, yeah, that particular interpretation of this, um, of this image probably has something to say to me, but, but you can't take it as gospel. I feel like a, a much more appropriate way to work with dreams is to work with them individually. And, and, you know, so some people will even develop their own symbol dictionary for their dream world and so that their dream their dream animals have a specific association but even that isn't always true because sometimes a dream dog can be the most your best and loyal friend and sometimes it can be a vicious animal that wants to attack you you can see how it can quickly become a problem if you try to attack the standard yeah definition. yes i think that was beautifully said because this has been running in my mind but i felt you were the perfect person to ask that question to because uh, it is a concerning area at times when I'm, it's, you see a lot of people doing this, talking about, oh, you had a dream about water, it means this, or if you had a dream about 
you're flying as a bird, it means something else. And I truly believe the feeling sometimes is very different to, as you said, you know, a dog could be fear, a dog could be um, just feelings of love. I mean, that's such a world of difference. But coming back to nightmares, how do nightmares actually relate to sleep itself? So, uh, one of the standard definitions of nightmares that they've used for research is that uh, nightmares are frightening dreams that are, are so intense they wake you up. Um, now, this isn't always applied because sometimes people will say any very scary or really dark and, and disturbing dream is a nightmare, but a lot of times they'll use this awakening criteria. And, and it's true that nightmares can really disrupt sleep. And so they can be uh, of, of quite a large concern if this happens frequently. So to be considered, um, you know, a, a problem psychologically or clinically, someone would be, you know, someone would have to have nightmares at say three times a week or more. And you can see how if, if your sleep is disturbed um, more than half the time, that it's going to start to affect your your day-to-day -day functioning it's going to affect your mood and it's a problem that really needs attention and uh, you know the 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 really interesting thing i find about nightmares because i've been making i've made it a real focus in my in my communications with um potential um clinicians or with people who have nightmares is that there really are treatable. There's really a lot you can do to, to reduce how disturbing they feel, to reduce their frequency. And a lot of people are not aware of that. It's been well studied. And I think maybe in you know a study of college students, they found that maybe one in 10 who had really frequent nightmares would actually talk to someone about it and tell a professional that they had they were experiencing this. I mean, partly because they think, oh, doesn't everybody have nightmares and they think it might be normal or they feel like even if they did say something, there's nothing that you can do about it or they would be considered um, kind of, you know, uh, I, people might look at their dream content and see them as disturbed themselves. They, they would see uh, they're worried that their dream content would be a reflection on them when it really is not. I mean, it can be a reflection on the kinds of things you've experienced. If you've had trauma in your background or, or childhood adversity, you're way more prone to nightmares. If you have anxiety or, you know, you're way more prone to them. It doesn't make you um, any sort of bad person per se, but it means that, you know, your dreams are showing that there's something amiss that needs attention and you you can really um, get help. That's, that's something I would love for report you know to be more widely known is that nightmares are so treatable so is nightmares uh, i mean you mentioned repetitive but uh, sometimes leslie i mean i've had a very traumatic uh, seven eight period year period about 15 to 20 years ago and you know while i don't have repetitive nightmares they do show up as random nightmares where i wake up and then i recall a very specific incident that occurred in that period and then i am left with the racing heart and the increased pulse and feeling like i'm sweating a little disoriented at times and this happened just a few 
few days ago where I had a nightmare where I was traveling somewhere and I didn't have money and I didn't reach that place and I woke up and remember this very specific incident in that period of time where um, I didn't have money to reach somewhere and I requested someone to come and collect me and he didn't show up and then the fear of searching in the dark for somebody to take me back home from the airport and whether I'll reach home safe, reaching home to find this person there threatening me and telling me I purposely wanted you to experience it as punishment for something. You know, that's still 15 years later, I still woke up and I felt uh, very shaken by it. Well, it's not repetitive. What I want to ask you is that it's powerful enough for people to see those ripples of impact from trauma for several decades later. So uh, even if it's not repetitive, do we still count it as nightmares? And would we still be able to do whatever you would advise us to do later in the episode to help us move past that space? Yes, absolutely. Um, it doesn't have to be repetitive to be uh, considered a nightmare. And it's just that the, the, um, the most troublesome ones seem to be about a specific uh, incident or, or period of trauma in someone's life that they haven't fully recovered from and that those dreams um, will repeat or the theme will repeat and it doesn't feel like they can get past it. And, but they can also be like you described, they can, they can be about a traumatic event that kind of for, for some reason is still held in your body in some way. I think it's, it's, you know, sort of held in our nervous system. And when something happens that reawakens it, then we'll dream about it or we'll feel it. And it, it's so it's still not completely resolved in your body. And, and so you, you'll, your dream will bring it back. And I think it's our dreams attempt to, you know, you think about it in terms of a therapy process, the way that you would resolve this is to talk about it um, but in a way where you're feeling supported so that you have this experience of talking about and revisiting something that's really frightening, but in a context of something in a place that's safe where you have, say, me as your therapist to tell you it's okay, you can just tell me about it and I can remind you that you're safe and you can find, uh, you know, first of all, some calm in your body so that you can talk about it and, and the memory then gets paired with this new experience of it where you're supported and you're walking through it in, in your body can kind of settle. And, and what happens, I think, with people's, you know, who have a traumatic event that never really got all the way metabolized and settled is it can return when we're reminded of something like it or in times of extreme stress um, or, you know, it just seems like uh, the, the sort of the body knows this isn't completely been resolved yet, but I'm going to give it another try. And so, you know, in it with a dream like that, I would say talking about it can be really helpful because already you can feel how telling me and me saying, oh, it's okay. It's probably something that awakened it again. And that, um, you know, there's a way I can say something soothing or find what I would typically do is walk through the dream with someone and find places in the dream that felt 
soothing or helpful or ways that you can kind of um, find resources either in your own body or in the dream and then allow it to play forward. This is the really, um, uh, the universal approach to nightmare treatment now is to uh, let the dream play forward. And I find that if you um, allow it to play forward from a calm place where you feel safe, the dream will find its resolution. And once you've done that, surprisingly, the dream isn't the same again. It's amazing. I mean, it might take a few iterations if it's something that's really been held for a long time or is, say, still an active grieving process or an, an active re trauma recovery process. It's not like an instant fix necessarily, but the dream itself seems to respond to allowing it to play forward because you know this, you tend to wake up in your nightmare kind of right in the scariest place where your body's charged up. And so if you let it play forward, then I think that that experience of it carrying on to a place that feels okay gets remembered. And then when you have that dream again, it doesn't wake you up in this charged place. It might just carry on like any other dream. You might not even remember it because the dream has completed and you've kept sleeping. And so it will feel like you're not having that dream anymore. And sometimes it will just, sometimes it will come back, but it will have some changes. Like when you've dreamed it forward, it might incorporate some of those things. It, it, it's, it's really amazing to me how powerful this very simple way of, of letting the dream carry on um, can, can help so much. So I'm describing it quite, quite specifically so people can hear that in you as well. And I noticed, um, because I did a, a study on this with refugees for my doctoral thesis, I um, had um, so it's a very small group of refugees that had uh, very, um, you know, their nightmares were basically their biggest complaint and they had recurrent nightmares and PTSD and coupled with a lot of depression. And um, when I had, I trained other therapists to like allow them to just dream their dream forward and um, their, their dreams all shifted. Sometimes they stopped completely, their nightmares stopped. But what I noticed also is that when they didn't, they felt like they had a tool they could use. If they woke up in the night with a nightmare, they didn't feel like they were a victim of it anymore. But they did, you know, as one person in particular, I'm thinking described it as having some control over the dream versus feeling like the dream was had control over him. And he would just imagine it forward to somewhere different and he wouldn't feel afraid to go back to sleep. Whereas, you know, sometimes people who have these recurrent nightmares will just wake up and then they won't want to go back to sleep because they'll, they'll be worried about going right back into the same dream. But just a calming down and imagining it forward, um, very often they go back to sleep and the dream doesn't come and plague them again. And so it's, it's something that people I noticed spontaneously started taking home with them and doing when they woke up in the night with nightmares just to let it carry forward and imagine something different. And I think you described that beautifully. And I do want to ask you because of my own uh, experience, how trauma is linked to nightmares. And, uh, and there's two aspects to this. First of all, just how does that impact? Um, does that mean that nightmares 
do occur post very traumatic episodes due to a lack of feeling of safety uh, or um, and the other aspect of this is I know you mentioned that you know if we're in a calm place and we tell someone but let's say now I'm looking at I'm out of that situation today even though the ripples are still coming to me occasionally in the form of nightmares but uh, eight years for me was a very long period and I did have a lot of nightmares while in the situation and I just want to know what does that mean if someone is still in the situation that's contributing to the trauma that uh, it's more challenging is it impossible for them to deal with the nightmares if they're still if they're not removed from the situation Yes, um, really good questions. Yeah, important questions. So what I think is going on, yeah, that the, the idea of safety is so important because one of the things I, I just did, I spent a couple of years working on a paper where I'm looking at the nervous system and its impact on our dreams and nightmares. And uh, I've been looking at something called the polyvagal theory, which, which uh, was developed by Stephen Porges. And it looks at it's been applied a lot to trauma therapy and the idea that um, when our nervous system is, is feels safe, then we can engage socially. We're, we're able to um, really take the, make the, take the benefits of therapy and, and really our bodies can rest and relax. And that's supposed to be our, our normal state. But when we've been exposed to trauma, um, our, our nervous system can be, it can shift into a fight flight response, an activated response and back out again. That would be a normal, you know, getting ready to, 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 to respond to the threat. But when people have re repeated trauma, what will happen is their body can kind of get locked into this feeling of unsafe, or it can go to the next step, which is more of an immobility response where they collapse and get dissociative. And so depending on, you know, how old you were when the trauma happened, it seems like if, it, if you have a lot of um, adversity and trauma in very early years, your nervous system can kind of get locked into a state where it doesn't feel safe and can easily slip into those responses. It's more, it's a conditioned response. And, and so um, there, there's this way that if you're in a situation in your life where you're not safe, truly not safe, it makes sense that your body is going to feel um, this hyper alert or this dissociative um, dissociative state to keep you um, ready or to keep you um, sort of at a distance from the trauma so that you can manage it. And when you're actively in that kind of a situation, it's very difficult to recover because you don't get a chance. You don't get a, you don't get into this um, you know resting safe, place where you can take advantage of the help that other people would offer or your nervous system can settle and rest and heal so when you're in the midst of it whether you know it whether it's other ways of responding to trauma or nightmares or both you're, you're getting a, a warning system from your a warning from your body a signal that something's wrong um, but the very first thing you would do in any kind of trauma work, whether it's with nightmares or not, is 
you know, removing the danger, if at all possible, because until you do that, how is your body going to settle? It won't, it will, it will know better. (laughs) You can't tell it it's safe when it's not. So um, really um, it's tough to work with trauma when people are in the midst of it. And, you know, I was looking at for my study, working with first responders, for example, because they experience a lot of, a lot of trauma and Um, but I, I couldn't really work with somebody and do a study and see how they, it was impacting them because every day they go to work, they could potentially be exposed to another trauma, uh, a traumatic situation that would activate their nervous system. So it wouldn't be very easy to measure whether it was working or not. So I worked with people who were refugees who successfully, um, you know, moved to Canada from wherever they were in the world that was dangerous. So they were no longer physically in the same kind of danger. I mean, they still had stressful lives for sure, establishing themselves in a new country and being far from home, but at least that sort of the deeply threatening danger was no longer present. So the healing was possible. And so, yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough answer really to say that when you're in the midst of trauma, it's really hard to recover. And, you know, the first order of the day is actually to try and find a way to create more safety. Yes, I think that's so important. And we see that even in the physiological space, Leslie, where no matter what someone is doing in terms of great food, nutrients, exercise, if they're still in that situation, it becomes almost impossible to move past any symptoms because they're perpetually in that fight or flight. Um, But uh, tell us a little bit about um you know i've heard in some of the dream episodes people talking about sleep paralysis and is there an area where it gets confused with nightmares or how is it different how is it similar yes it's often um mistaken for a nightmare but it's actually quite a different phenomenon um one of the things that you know is a really easy distinguishing factor is that your sleep paralysis episodes happen during your deep sleep or in transition from wake to sleep. And um, sort of in, in um, the second half of the night, that's mostly when you have your, your nightmares um, during REM sleep when we're, we're more prone to dreaming. But what happens when we're dreaming is that our body is put into a state of paralysis every night everybody goes into sleep paralysis. So it's actually a normal thing. And I don't know, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't aware of it, but it's, it's our body's way of protecting us from thrashing around and acting out our dreams. And I mean, there's a, there are a few, few people who have conditions where this sleep paralysis doesn't come or this, you know, the healthy paralysis doesn't, doesn't happen and they move around, but normally we're supposed to be frozen. And then well, um, as we come out of our, our dreaming sleep, the paralysis is meant to wear off before we wake up. But sometimes we wake up before the paralysis sets in or we wake up during that transition. And so we'll be awake, but our body will still be in that paralysis state. And it's often accompanied by uh, like a weight in the chest. It can, it can people experience presences and, and really... Um, of an evil sort of frightening uh sort of mood it's it's a really scary experience i think partly because what happens if you wake up and you're paralyzed 
is you get flooded with fear. And then when you're afraid, what you see is scary. I think some of it is state dependent. And so what I tell people who have this experience and it happens more often if your sleep is disturbed or your, you know, if your shift work or students, it's fairly common if there's students or, you know, studying a lot or just having just a disrupted sleep schedule and you're really tired um, is that it, it's really normal. It's not like something to be alarmed about and it usually passes very quickly. So if you wait it out, even just a minute or two, just breathing and calming yourself down and going, no, this isn't, this is normal. I just, I'm just, you know, still just coming out of a dream and I'm, I'm, I'm you trying to basically fully wake yourself up. Um, it will pass. And sometimes you can also, if you're interested in, in lucid dreaming, you can, you're still, you're kind of in this paradoxical state where you're still kind of in a dream state and kind of awake. So if you, if you want to try imagining that, you know, you go back into your dream world, some people use this sleep paralysis episodes as an entry into lucid dreaming, but mostly people are, are, are just quite frightened by it. And so I'm, I'm just say, you know, like it's, it's actually not a, a worry. And if you just wait and, and kind of get interested and curious, that helps dispel the fear and very quickly you'll, you'll wake up out of it. So finally, what can we actually do about nightmares? And uh, again, I want to ask you this in two ways. The first, of course, is if someone is having repetitive nightmares and they had very traumatic episodes, then uh, as a way to move past, obviously, I think this is a long uh, journey with that. But also in terms of someone like me, where it's just popping up in episodes here and there, I know that the rest of the time that I'm probably a pretty uh, relaxed person, but at that time I do feel as if I'm defeated again, as if I'm weighed down again. And suddenly I feel I can't work. I'm kind of, as you described it before, frozen. Uh, all my faculties seem to leave me for a half a day until, as you mentioned yesterday, I spoke to my husband about it and he kind of gave me a hug and he said, but you're not in that situation anymore. And then a few hours later, I was back to normal. But uh, in that space of the night, it was chilling. It was scary again. So what can we do? right there when it's happening to us and also if someone is having these repetitive nightmares yeah so we're all um gonna have nightmares sometimes i think that they're fairly normal so having the occasional nightmare is is not a concern and i think that you know there can be various reasons why they crop up like just you know feeling particularly stressed or having some reminder of a traumatic incident that then plays in your dreams. Those are pretty typical. Um, and I think what you did is actually really uh, lovely. I really feel like it's important to tell people your nightmares, just, just to share them because then you don't feel so alone with them. And there's a way that we automatically, as human beings, we, we help each other regulate and calm down by, by not being you know, alone with it. And so, you know, telling your husband and, and getting reassurance and a hug, that, that's, that's something I would absolutely recommend. 
maybe you don't want to wake them up in the middle of the night. So if you are woken up in the middle of the night, I actually you could... didn't. I actually oh, did. didn't want to wake you him did. up, and I refrained <laughs> from doing it. And I even told him the later in the day I wanted to wake you up and get a hug at that moment, and he said, "But you should have. What was wrong?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you have that option and, and your partner doesn't mind, that's a that's a nice thing to do, you know. And and what he told you is also useful just to remind yourself, okay, look around the room, you know, recognize where you are, really notice that you're safe, you know. And this is of course assuming you are safe and that's important. Um and to just notice I'm in a safe environment and you can do things like, you know, there's certain breathing exercises that will calm your nervous system if you have a longer exhale than an inhale, for example, your parasympathetic nervous system will, will, will start to calm you down. And so starting just as at a physiological level to calm down because you're, you wake up out of a nightmare in this activated state and you don't wanna go back to sleep before your system has calmed down because otherwise you're more, you're more likely to go back into that kind of a dream again. So calming down and then imagining your dream forward like I described you can go to where the place where the dream might have you know taken a a turn for the worse or right at the end and just imagine it forward to um, it can be completely imaginal it can be something you can interject something really crazy and wild and then it will be a memorable thing sometimes you know when I'm working with with traumatic memories and knowing that you can actually affect memories by um, introducing new elements into it. And, you, you know, in, in memories that are really bad, changing them isn't such a terrible thing. It's not like we're trying to, you know, mess with reality or say it didn't happen, but we're just trying to interject something into that memory so that whenever you have that memory, it comes with this, this other piece you've added. So you can, you can develop superpowers or, you know, and in, in, in bring some, some humorous element into it. It's kind of, you know, you can be playful with it, but what you're doing is you're messing with the memory and you're messing with the dream so that it, it has pieces of it that are no longer scary. And, you know, you can remind yourself, of course, that it's, it's happened in the past um, because you're, you know, when we dream about a trauma and we're in the dream, it does feel so present and so real and immediate. And so just bringing in elements from your current life into the dream, into the current place and the current time will really help create the dream as it turn it into more of a memory than a living uh, experience in your body. And that is actually what dreaming does a lot. It's, it's, it weaves in, you know, current elements into the past. So they become more uh, distributed and, and, and easier to, um, easier to manage emotionally. That's what our dreams do with our memories. And so when they get stuck, like the other kind of dreams you're talking about, it's as if th- there's a constant present experience of that, of that traumatic memory. It doesn't get filed into the, the memory banks. It stays in the body as this current experience that keeps happening. And these dreams are more of a worry because they, um, they indicate that someone hasn't recovered from their trauma. They're, that's a classic symptom of, of post-traumatic stress injury. If they have not really um, been able to assimilate this event to the point where it becomes a bad memory, as opposed to something that their body will occasionally experience right in the present. 
um, they'll, you know, so that, that kind of is like a nightmare is kind of like a flashback that happens at night when, you know, during the day, someone who has a post-traumatic um, stress injury will, will sometimes be overtaken by the fear as if it were happening now. And the nightmares are similar in that their dreams will be very like the experience that they, that they had that was really, really traumatizing. And so you kind of work with the dreams in a similar way. It really shows that the trauma is not metabolized and it needs, you know, I would say you need, you know, to work with that with a therapist who knows how to work with trauma. If it's really serious and you have them, these dreams recurrent repeatedly, there's a very um, established link between suicide risk and very frequent nightmares. So it's not something to take lightly. So in those cases, it's not, you know, you can definitely do these things that I've suggested to help yourself but you should also talk to someone in those in those cases that's not really something that um it doesn't tend to get better all by itself or not necessarily um very quickly i i know I've, i i looked at this very interesting study that i've written about um about trauma survivors who'd been in the holocaust who'd been at auschwitz and they'd uh, a polish researcher had looked at their dreams and found that even in that extremely traumatic situation, that their dreams did indicate and help them recover. And so it's not as if there's no hope, it's just that you really, you can, if you turn away from them and do nothing, they will keep coming back. They'll keep telling you this needs attention. So I think of them as a attention getting and a way to say, look, pay attention to this. And if, if you don't, I'll just keep coming back until you are able to, to do something. I think, one of the features of, of post-traumatic stress injury is this tendency to avoid. Of course, you know, it's, if it's a terrible memory in a painful period, you don't want to necessarily look at it. But I guess that, you know, if you have those dreams, they're telling you, you need to, you need to put this behind you. You need to, you need to metabolize it to the point where your body knows that you're now safe and this is a memory. And so that, that kind of, uh, therapy needs to be done and it, it doesn't feel bad. What feels bad is to continue in this same pattern. And so I, I think that, you know, it's, 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 it can be a pleasant surprise. In fact, that when you work with the nightmares and with the trauma, that it feels, you feel better. <laughs> I guess that's not a surprise. Ideally, that's what therapy of any kind does is it makes you feel better, but there's a tendency to not want to go there because the material is frightening. And I'm saying, you know, that talking to somebody about it is going to make it better than not. And if you don't, it, it, it kind of just stays frozen in time. I'm just saying honor them and they could actually be the key to moving past that trauma itself. But provided that you find the right person to guide you through this process. And I think that's very, very important in this situation. In the case of nightmares, I would definitely advise people to look out for someone who's in clinical practice like yourself versus just looking up meanings of dreams and nightmares for sure. Um, I know we're almost out of time, Leslie, but I would like us to quickly speak about children and nightmares because is it different in children? Um, is it something that we take seriously? Is it something or uh, is it something that they're just going through as their mind is evolving? Is the solution just to give them a hug and just cuddle them and let them fall back asleep? 
So nightmares are far more common in children. So when kids are having frequent nightmares, it isn't necessarily the same level of concern. And yeah, it's a developmental process. And so through the years, especially say from about four or five up to about age 10 or so, they can go through periods of frequent nightmares and you can do the same kinds of things with them where you let them complete the nightmare and, you know, maybe tell, tell, ask them to, you know, give it a new ending or have them acquire some kind of superpower or make it a game where you help them imagine an ending or draw one or you know talk to the monsters and make friends or you know find a way so that they're willing to share and work with them because having company no matter what the age is helpful but also to to know that children have more night terrors more more nightmares and that it it's it's you know they will usually just resolve themselves on their own uh, but after about age 10 or 11, if the nightmares are still frequent, that's kind of a turning point where they can become chronic. And so at that point, if there's a, a, a lot of nightmares and they're frequent, I would say that um, you might want to get, um, you know, some, some therapy, because it is also true that if someone has a lot of trauma in their childhood, that their nightmares can reflect that. Uh, so it's it's not as if every child who has frequent nightmares is going to grow out of them because sometimes it's a reflection of a, the level of stress they're experiencing. And so I would pay attention to them, you know, and, and generally, though, yes, it's in the normal course of events, but if it's also accompanied by a lot of other signs of anxiety or distress, it's a way, it's a window, I would say you know, one thing to do with your child is to develop a relationship with them where they're comfortable telling you their dreams and see if, you know, if they are really frequent recurring and, and, and they're accompanied by a lot of other, you know, worrisome signs, then, then the person might need, you know, might need professional help. But for the most part, they're not, they're normal. And, and so with those caveats, I would say, yeah, just, um, you know, be comforting and reassuring and um, otherwise and see if they will just kind of resolve themselves. I loved what you said about, you know, the superpowers, Leslie, because the next time I have these dreams that remind me of my traumatic experience, I'm going to picture myself as Captain Marvel and swoop out of there. <laughs> uh, that was beautiful. I mean, it's such a simple thing, but it just changes the feeling within us so powerfully. I think that can be great for kids. Um, any final words to share about nightmares and trauma before we conclude? So one thing I would say is that and we've talked a lot about the, um, the, the really difficult side of, of trauma dreaming. And, you know, there are a lot of, you know, especially frequent nightmare sufferers where it is related to adversity and it, you know, it needs attention. But I will also say that nightmares can be some of the most powerfully transformative, amazing dreams that we have. And that nightmares can be, um, a sign of, 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 you know, big changes and, and so, sort of frightening to an aspect of ourselves that might be, um, 
you know, dying off, say if we're, we're ending a, a, a job or a relationship or some aspect of our personality really needs to be left behind as we shift into something new, that can take the form of a nightmare. It can take the form of a death or something violent. And it's really a metaphor for some kind of transformation. So I don't want to give the impression that all nightmares are bad because a lot of them are really amazingly transformative dreams that if you pay attention to, will will help you uh, shift in ways that are extremely positive. I would say they're more like a metaphorical representation of of big um, big events, mm. of things that are um, you know that can be like sometimes you know a, a, you know a, a, a tornado or a great big you know earth shattering event can really just be a metaphor for some kind of major shift that's about to happen or is in the process of happening. It's like the, you know, the idea that some parts of us need to die for new parts of us to be born, or um, there's a way that I think a lot of times when people are dreaming about intruders, say for example, or, or parts of them dying, they might, there might be a part of their ego that is really just um, needing to take a back seat or to, to shift into some new phase of their life or their personal development. And it can feel like a nightmare because it's scary to the part of us that, that, you know, that wants to still live on. And, and so it can describe a dynamic that's intrapersonal, that's very intense, but, and, and feel scary, but it's actually, it's maybe more of a, a, a dream about change. And so sometimes um, you know, it's, it's important to, to look at some of the nightmare material, especially that, that, you know, might have a lot of, you know, violence or, or, you know, gory images and go, well, they're not always um, literal. They're very often metaphorical and they, they may not be as bad as they seem. Very often they're not as bad as they seem. I love that, Leslie. Where can people find you? And do you also work remotely if someone needed uh, help or do you only see clients in person? I can be found um, probably the simplest is my website, which is drlesliellis.com. That's all lowercase D R L E S L I E E L I S.com. And I don't see very many clients any anymore. I'm mostly focused on teaching other clinicians how to work with nightmares. So the probably the um, the best thing to do is contact me if you are wanting to learn how to do this as a clinician. And because I only can see patients in my immediate area um, because of that's how our license works. But um, I also would say that um, I'm planning, and I haven't got it up yet, I'm planning to put a list of clinicians who have trained because I've trained very many over the years who have experience in this particular way of treating nightmares. And so I'm, it's one of the things I'm gonna do in the very near future is have a list of clinicians and that are, and they, they come from all over the world. So hopefully um, that can be a resource for people as well. I think that's a beautiful resource. So I'm presuming at any point you will have that on your website. If someone yes. were to access, that's perfect. Thank yes. you, uh, Dr. Ellis, for being here and sharing your wisdom. And I really think this was very important information and you broke it apart so beautifully. Um, mm -hmm. And just that right balance of 
hand holding, hope, uh, knowledge, all of that interwoven together. Thank you for your time. And it was an absolute pleasure having you today. Oh, I love talking to you as well. You have this very calming presence. It's this perfect example of what I'm talking about. And I, I loved your questions and I really enjoyed this interview. So thank you for having me here. On this episode, we heard Dr. Ellis talk in depth about PTSD, trauma, nightmares and sleep. We have dealt with dreams in six episodes before this and you can scroll the linked episodes on this one if you missed any. Nightmares are a very specific subject which requires clinical guidance and care such as with the expertise of someone like Dr. Leslie Ellis. I'd like to conclude this episode by sharing my perspectives on the powerful benefits of subtle practices such as guided meditations. Trauma and nightmares can trigger persistent fight-or-flight responses where the ability to shift into a parasympathetic state can be very challenging. Find yourself a clinician who can help you navigate trauma recovery. In the meantime, set yourself up with my guided afternoon mindfulness on episode 128 or the prana for healing on episode 123 with Himalayan Yogi. Commit to a daily practice in the afternoon to break up your day. These are powerfully calming practices which when done every day can gently hold your hand and walk you towards recovery, working beautifully alongside any clinical care that you might need or that you might need to get. Have a wonderful day. Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show today. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or the professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help on your health journey, do seek out a qualified professional please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional it is in no way intended as medical advice or a treatment or cure for any condition be sure to always directly work with a qualified practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding if you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner, do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com. It is important that you have someone who is qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care, especially when it comes to chronic health conditions. Be sure to subscribe to the Sleep Whisperer podcast on your favorite podcast app to get each episode as soon as it launches.